Coming up on this episode, we wrap up 2020 with a look back at the things that made us happy. Welcome to episode 279 of the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for avid readers and passionate fans of gay romance fiction. I'm Will Knauss, and with me, as always, is my co-host and husband, Mr. Jeff Adams. Hello, everybody. This podcast is brought to you in part by our remarkable community on Patreon. A quick hello and thank you to Victoria, who recently joined us. If you'd like more information about the bonus content that we provide for our community, simply go to patreon.com slash biggayfictionpodcast. Welcome back, Rainbow Romance readers. We are so glad you could join us for another episode of the show as we bid a hail and hearty farewell to the year that was. Exactly. 2020, don't let the door hit you on the way out. I think we are all ready to move on. Starting tomorrow on January 1st to kick off the new year, there is an exciting thing getting ready to happen. The Winter Wonderland Story Giveaway begins, and there's going to be over 180 stories available for free. Some from authors you'll recognize, and some from authors that we're sure are going to be new to you. We've seen the list because we're participating in it, and it's an amazing array of stories, all kinds of genres, all of these authors getting together to start off your new year with brand new stories. Now, you can go check out the link a little bit early because we've got it for you at biggayfictionpodcast.com slash winter. That link is alive now, even though you can't start claiming stories until January 1st. You can get a sneak preview on what you want to look at. This is really amazing, and you're going to want to get your Kindles ready for some story overload to kick off the year. I know that we're going to be starting to hit those claim buttons first thing tomorrow morning. So once again, that link is biggayfictionpodcast.com slash winter, or you can find that link in the show notes. The Winter Wonderland story giveaway runs for a limited time, only through Sunday, January 10th. Now, before we get to reviews of some of the books Jeff and I have been reading to wrap up our year, we'd like to tell you about another show that's part of the Frolic Podcast Network family. Here are Katie and V to tell you more about This Lesbian Ship is Intense. Hey everyone, I'm Katie. And I'm V. And we are This Lesbian Ship is Intense. We're a part of the Frolic Podcast Network. And in our podcast, we cover TV shows, movies, and really any other form of media with lesbian characters. We break down shows from a queer point of view. We gush over our favorite ships. And we critically analyze the impact of media on our community. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify, or SoundCloud. So one of the last Christmas books of 2020 that I read was Cupcakes and Christmas by R.J. Scott. So this story is about former contestants of a reality baking show who gather at a wintry Alberta resort to compete in a brand new all-star charity Christmas bake-off competition. Justin, who was the winner of season one, is feeling kind of overwhelmed by just about everything. He's become a much-loved online influencer, but the frequency with which he has to like shill crappy products to his followers makes him feel pretty lousy. Big changes are going to be made in the new year once he's done with the competition. Another contestant, Brody, he seems to have it all, but his upscale bakery is hemorrhaging money, and he has divorce papers that need to be signed tucked into his coat pocket. A win on this all-star season might just be what he needs to get his life back on track. 
And it's an added bonus that he gets to compete with Justin, the cutie pie baker that he's had a crush on since episode one of World's Best Baking Show. As the story gets started, and after they're done filming the introductory segments, our two heroes share a snowy stroll on the hotel grounds and help rebuild a fallen snowman that they end up naming Jeremy. The next morning, Brody decides to go after what he wants. He signs his divorce papers and asks Justin if he'd like to go out for some coffee. But he's later put off when Justin agrees with the showrunner that since they're the gay bakers on the show, that some faux flirtation might be good for the cameras. Brody isn't interested in faking anything, especially not when it comes to Justin. The first round, cupcakes, Justin doesn't impress. In the next bake, Christmas wreath cakes, Brody stumbles. His confidence is shaken, and he isn't sure if he trusts Justin, in part because Brody's ex really screwed him over financially and emotionally. After Brody's win in the gingerbread round, an impromptu snowball fight finds them taking a sexy tumble into a snowbank. It's there that they share a super hot scorching kiss, which is captured on camera by Justin's social media team. He makes sure the pics are deleted, and Justin is able to convince Brody that their attraction is not just for the cameras, it's very real. Brody believes him, but cautions that after everything that he's gone through, relationship-wise, he needs to take things slow. Later, after a particularly difficult sugar challenge, Justin is left overwhelmed and feeling a little sorry for himself. Brody comes to check in on him, and things heat up very, very quickly. Afterward, they talk out some issues, opening up in a way that neither of them normally would. Then, on a day off, they go to the hot springs with some fellow contestants and continue their adorable trek towards serious coupledom. They spend the night together. This time, Brody feels overwhelmed. But by talking things out, they see that their pasts have very little to do with their future with one another. Their days are busy with the competition and their nights are magic. And they both make it to the semifinal. But not before a villainous contestant, because every reality show has a villainous <laughs> contestant. And even Brody's ex try their best to put up roadblocks for our two heroes. But they've got each other's back. Once those obstacles are dealt with, nothing can stop them. It'll be the two of them facing off in the Christmas cake finale, which means one of them will eventually lose. But what each of them has gained is far better than any prize. Which I realize is pretty cheesy the way I've described it, but it is such an irresistibly sweet conclusion for two amazing characters that are perfect for one another. I really loved Cupcakes and Christmas. I especially loved our two main characters. Justin and Brody are charming and complex. And each of them, in their own way, are dealing with the success that comes from a run on a reality television show. And what's nice is that I mentioned that they have each other's backs. It's not like they complete one another in the classic romance sense. Each of these characters is able to grow and evolve over the course of the story. And it's through that growth that they're actually able to solve their own problems. The cherry on top is that they found a super sexy guy to fall in love with. So if baking shows and adorable guys are your thing, I highly recommend everyone check out Cupcakes and Christmas by R.J. Scott. And just a quick note, if you're like me and don't like reading Christmas stories outside of the season, it should be noted that the majority of the story takes place in the month of October because they're taping a reality show. They can't actually tape it during the holidays. So you just found a loophole. <laughs> I did. A snowy seasonal loophole. I think you could probably read this at any time of the year and still love it. Nice. As many couples as I've ever shipped on reality shows, that story sounds amazing. 
I'm glad you put a nice little button on your holiday reading for 2020. I, on the other hand, have have taken a trip. I, I exited the holiday reading a little early because, you see, the Rosavia Royal series has been on my TBR since these books came out back in June. Those sexy covers drew my eye immediately. There are stories from some of my very favorite authors, not to mention that these stories center on royals. I love books that play with the royalty tropes. And so I decided it was a high time to visit Rosavia, and now I've got the first two books out of the five-book series to talk about. Up for Air by Stella Starling is the first in the series, and it's appropriate, too, because it focuses on Crown Prince Leopold, who, as you can easily guess, is next in line for the throne. He's getting pressure from his parents to move on from his playboy ways and take a wife. Now, Leo doesn't exactly want to give up all that just yet, but he knows it is his fate, and he's going to have to get his life in order here shortly. But everything changes at an event at the Royal Library. While he's flirting with a woman, he ends up and meets the woman's brother, Edvin Blum. Now, Leo didn't expect to be captivated by Edvin, but he is. At each turn, it seems Edvin is everything that he wants. He's cute. He seems like he's not just into Leo for who he is and not just the title. And Edvin has this very deep caring for people, especially his family. But Edvin's been burned a lot. He was really trashed by a jerk of a co-worker who he had dated, who constantly liked to remind Edvin that he was lucky to have him. And it really leaves Edvin scared that he's going to make some of the same mistakes twice by going for someone who is, as he sees it, out of his league. And of course, who wouldn't think a prince is you know, not out of their league unless it happened to be another prince or something? Immediately, the thing I like about Edvin and Leo is that these guys care for each other so much. As they're getting to know each other, despite whatever doubts they have with each other, they treat each other with respect and kindness. And there's a certain protective streak that comes out and really gives me all the feels. There are so many opportunities where these two have things that they've got to deal with, and they end up talking about it with each other, and they really step up with each other. Leo steps in and helps Edvin care for his sick siblings at one point. Edvin really kind of takes a stand as Leo is being harassed by the press. It's really nice how these two work together. And Stella also does an amazing job with these characters' internal monologues. Leo and Edvin have a lot to work through in this relationship, and a good bit of it happens in their thoughts. But it does rise to the surface, too, when it needs to. These two are pretty good at communicating, which, you know, I really like people who communicate with each other and don't get mixed up in some confusing circumstances that could be solved, you know, quite easily. I really wanted to wrap Edvin up in a hug in particular. He's not all that confident. He's got a speech impediment, and he's often being shoved in the background at work because he's not standing up for himself. But he's also, in some cases, you know, kind of being looked at as he's got all these siblings to take care of, and he is fiercely loyal to them, so he will allow himself to not get what he wants in order to take care of the family. Stella brought all of this together in a way that made it very difficult for me to put this book down. I needed every single detail, and I needed it right now, uh, especially as we hurtled towards the end. And I was kind of freaking out over the situation that was keeping Edvin and Leo apart just hours before the ball when they were supposed to be announced as a couple. Needless to say, the happily ever after was a beautiful moment that I loved 
oh so much. And I was so happy with how Edvin and Leo turned out that I rolled right into book two, which is H.J. Welch's Rain or Shine. This time out, we meet Prince Cassander, who seems to be charged with keeping his brothers out of trouble. And already seeing what Leo went through, I can imagine that these four are a big handful. Now, Cass is not happy about the role that he's been put into, or maybe the one that he took. He's not really sure, but he, is, he does know that he wants a change. And so he decides, just a couple weeks away from that big royal ball, to take a break from it all and just be Cass. He wants to kind of be undercover in his own country and essentially have a staycation, but away from everybody that he normally has to deal with. Which is, of course, hard because he's a prince, so his image is all over the place on all kinds of tchotchke things, but he does his best to kind of stay out, out of sight. His plan, though, gets completely disrupted when Maddie Doyle shows up. Now, Maddie is traveling with his niece from America, and his niece is actually going to be attending a prestigious archery academy where Cass once went to school and where he occasionally also teaches. Now, Maddie's there in place of his sister, because she is in treatment for cancer back home, so he's gotten to take this trip so that his niece wouldn't have to miss out on this opportunity. Unfortunately, as they arrive in Rosavia, they are on time, but their luggage is not. Their luggage didn't seem to make it from their connecting flight, which means no clothes, no toiletries, and most importantly for the niece, no bow. She has a custom bow that she uses, and it didn't show up either. So to try to recover from this, they end up at a sporting goods store to get her something to start the session with. And here they end up meeting Cass, who takes in their story and, of course, immediately wants to help because it is in his nature to help people with their problems. And he kind of justifies it in a way here because he's trying to make sure that the tourists who have come to his country have a good experience in his country. They get everything squared away, they get some clothes, they get a bow, and Cass is actually offered to pay for all this too because Maddie's on a very tight budget. It's really amazing how much he steps up to help these people who he doesn't know. But he is slightly attracted to Maddie as well, which of course just makes it all the easier to help them. Now this is a really delightful fish-out-of-water story with Maddie decidedly being out of his element. I mean, he's, on, he's in a foreign country, he's on a trip that he hadn't planned, he is broke because his job back in the States was not going well. He doesn't necessarily want to take advantage of Cass at all. But on the other hand, here is this guy offering to show him around Rosavia while his niece is up at the school doing her thing. But he also can't figure out why this guy is offering all this help either. Now, Cass is eager to enjoy his country anonymously. And being able to spend it with Maddie is just kind of icing on the cake. Sometimes it takes a little creativity to keep Maddie away from places that Cass can be recognized. And it's especially important to stay away from this very horrible reporter who stalks the royals. We saw her a little bit in book one, where she set up some of her nastiness. But she is really evil in this story to the lengths that she will go to get a story on the, the royals. And Cass and Maddie, I have to say, give, give her a good run for her money, too. And I liked their final moments with her in this book as they really put her in her place very well. H.A. does such a wonderful job of getting these two to open up about each other. Cass is really careful to stick as close to the truth as possible while not outing himself as a prince because he doesn't want to dig too big of a hole for himself, which to me is so often what can happen in these kinds of books where you've got kind of the secret royalty thing going on is that they could do so much to try to hide themselves as being a prince that when it finally comes out, they have to unpack so much more of the truth. 
And so I like how H.J. really kind of kept him close to the truth. And it was also really awesome, aside from the romance, to get more of Rosavia in this book. Book one takes very much in and around the palace and the library. Here we get to see more of the countryside. We get to understand more about the flowers that play so much into it. All the royal family has their own brand of rose. We find out more about the blueberry, which is the country fruit, if you will, where they have blueberry everything from pizza to lube. Uh, It's really rather incredible. Of course, there's a ticking clock on this here because the archery school only runs a couple of weeks and then Maddie is supposed to go home and Cass really has to get back to the palace for the royal ball. And like I said, that icky journalist has a hand in opening Maddie's eyes to who, who he's actually spending time with and falling for. I adored how Maddie and Cass ended up and worked through all that and found how to make their relationship work as everything kind of had to click back into place after the Royal Ball. I knew H.J. would not disappoint, and she just really nailed this ending. I was so happy. So I loved both Stella Starling's Up for Air and H.J. Welch's Rain or Shine. I'm already into book three on the Rosavia Royal series, so you'll be hearing more about this from me in the new year because it is a wonderful place to visit. I'm so glad that you read some books that you loved so much to cap off your year of reading. It was really nice. I mean, it's been a good year of reading in general, but I'm super glad that I've decided to take on this series right at the transition of the year. And speaking of transitions, I thought now would be a nice time to take a look back at some of the things Jeff and I have read in the past year and talk about some of the books that made 2020 bearable. Now, I was looking at the list of books that I've read in the past year. And I was actually just speaking to Jeff the other day, thinking that I wasn't going to get to 100. For the past couple of years, I've averaged more than two books every week. But amazingly, just under the wire, I have managed to clock officially 101 books read in 2020. Congratulations. I know you were really trying to hit that mark again. Yeah, last year I had 105. So I am really surprised, quite frankly, that I managed to get so close to my previous total. And I actually believe I'm going to get to 102 for the year because I'm just about to get started with our book club pick for the month of January. I need to get that done for the new year. So, oh, yeah. So you are going to hit 102 for sure. I didn't do as well as you did. The past couple of years, I have netted out at 75 books. I always reset my mark to where I ended the year before, and I've been two years at 75. This year so far, I've read 63. Like you, I still need to read the book club pick, so I'm going to hit 64 before we cross the new year mark. So while you pulled your year out, I am not going to pull out 11 books in the next four days to round out the year. It just wasn't in the cards this time. I am going to set the 2021 goal, though, back at 75. I'm not going to go backwards. So what were some of the books that stood out for you this year? Well, like you with the Rosavia Royals books, I started my year off strong with the Fairyland Romance series by Jackson Knight. I completely fell in love with every book in this particular series, which take place in a fictional theme park. And the story world that Jackson manages to build over the course of those four books is really wonderful and charming. Each of the books is very sweet and full of tropes, just how I like them. (laughs) Particularly the fourth book, The Good, The Bad, and The Dad. It's a poly romance featuring a single dad, a carefree rogue, and a trans prince. 
I really thought it was an exceptional way to cap off that particular series. And if you'd like to know more about these books, we talked to the author earlier in the year. Jamie Sands wrote the Fairyland Romances under the pen name Jackson Knight, and they told us all about the foundation of these particular stories in episode 228, if you want to check that out. So probably not a surprise that the first thing I'm going to talk about is T.J. Clune. And I am going to focus on one book, even though the three that he presented this year all were exactly the thing that I needed at various points in the year. But the one that I'm going to call out, of course, is The House on the Cerulean Sea. This was an amazing book. TJ always does a great job with found family, which, of course, this one had with the orphans who are out at the Marseilles orphanage. But then you get this really cute love story between the guy who runs that orphanage and the person who comes in from headquarters to assess the orphanage and the magical children who are there. There's humor there's probably the sweetest love story that you could ever have in a book that's not romance forward. But the thing that really resonated with this book months after I read it is just the kindness. And kindness, I think, is something that we all needed in 2020 with the way it played out. So I think for a lot of people, I've seen time and again where this book came out at the right time because it came out right as the pandemic started and it was an escape for so many people. So really extraordinary there. If you haven't read that book yet, you definitely need to get it on your TBR and and check it out. We talked to TJ back in episode 232 about all of the books that he had coming out this year. So we talked about Cerulean, we talked about The Extraordinaries, and we talked about The Wrapping of Green Creek. So you could check that out. And yeah, definitely House on the Cerulean Sea is one of my very favorite things of this year. The Frozen Hearts series by Annabeth Albert technically got a start in 2019, but the third book, Arctic Heat, came out at the beginning of the year, and boy did I fall for this enemies to lovers forced proximity story. Oh my god, so good. <laughs> so good, in fact, that we actually chose this book for the inaugural episode of our book club, and I personally don't think we could have made a better choice. I really enjoyed Arctic Heat. And if you're looking for a series with a setting that's a little outside the ordinary, in this particular case, The Wilds of Alaska, I recommend everyone give Frozen Hearts by Annabeth Albert a try. So I also really enjoyed Arctic Heat, of course. And Annabeth is on my list as well for Conventionally Yours, which just spoke to my inner con-going geek that I used to be back when I was in college. This was a road trip book as we had some gamers who were heading across the country to participate in a large role play game tournament. They were driving because one of them was freaked out by flying. So of course we're going to check across the U.S. The game itself was important for a number of reasons for both of these guys who were involved in it. And it got down, of course, much like we talked about with the baking show back during the review segment where somebody was going to win and somebody was going to lose. But it worked out so great for the romance. Between the road trip and this enemies to lovers story, I adored every minute of that book. So yeah, conventionally yours just blew my summer away. Yeah, the next book in that series is coming out in early 2021. I can't wait. So yet another reason to look forward to the new year. The Hideaway Inn was another book that I really enjoyed. This story by Philip William Stover was actually one of the inaugural books in the new Karina Adores line. I really love this story of a big city guy who comes to a small town and buys the local inn with the intention that he's just kind of 
going to slap a coat of paint on it and flip it real fast. But we romance readers know that's not how it's going to work out. No, it very definitely is not. <laughs> now, we didn't talk about our lists before we sat down, but this is also on my list. <laughs> uh, you have wonderful taste. <laughs> As do you. Yeah, I just loved everything about this book. The small town setting, the second chance romance. It was a Hallmark movie in a book, which, of course, you know, give me that any old time. Yeah, I, I was I just adored it. If you want to know more about this story, we spoke with Phil William Stover in episode 243. And you also had the opportunity this past summer to host an online event with him. Yes, I spoke with him and Ilya Winters for an event with Barbara's Bookstore, talking about their books through the Karina Adores line. It was a wonderful time. And you can find that in episode 259. And something else to look forward to in early 2021 is the next book in Philip's Seasons of New Hope series. Another story on my list, which incidentally is in no particular order, was another one of our book club picks. To be perfectly honest, every book on this list could have been our book club picks. I loved each and every one of them oh so very much, but I wanted to call special attention to Heartache and Hoofbeats by Maz Maddox. Boy, howdy, is this book special and wonderful and very, very unique. It's a book that takes place in the Wild West, filled with fantastical creatures and lots and lots of romance. This particular story is about a by-the-books centaur shifter sheriff, and how he falls for a lovable rogue bad boy. Ugh, God, so good. If you want to know how good, you can check out the June Book Club episode. Or if you haven't had the opportunity yet, I highly recommend you check out our interview with Maz Maddox in episode 269. That was a great book. I just, I, I didn't know I needed centaur shifters in my life, but I apparently did. Because that was super fun. Taking us to a much more serious tone now. You all know if you listen to the show a lot, especially back in 2019, I'm a big fan of romantic suspense. And events of 2020 kept me from reading a lot of romantic suspense just because I couldn't take it. But one of the books I did read that I absolutely adored was Layla Rain's Variable Onset. This book really pivoted things significantly for me in romantic suspense simply because it was looking at forensics from a different point of view, which I found really intriguing how the story clicked into place going through all of this forensic evidence, looking through photos, looking through various interviews with the townsfolk and how everything got pieced together. I absolutely loved this book. I'm excited because it looks like Layla's entry in Winter Wonderland is a little sequel to Variable Onset. I'm hoping 2021 I get back into more romantic suspense because I've got a lot of stuff on the TBR that I really want to pick up there. Layla gave us a little hint about Variable Onset when she joined our Romantic Suspense Roundtable episode that we had back in episode 217. It was Layla, Gregory Ash, and L.A. Witt. So if you want to hear more from Layla, you could check out that episode. And the last recommendation I have on my list isn't necessarily a book, but a new author that I discovered this past year, and that was Jace Ellis. I read two of her books, Andre and Learned Behaviors, and both of them completely blew me away. These books feature diverse casts, really rich and interesting characters, and wonderful trope-driven plot lines. It's like somehow Jace got into my brain, looked at my romance checklist, and gave me absolutely everything I wanted. And we had the great pleasure of talking to Jace back in episode 266, 
She was an absolute delight, and if you haven't had the opportunity to read any of her books, please do so in the new year. I don't think you're going to be disappointed. Yeah, I really enjoyed that conversation with her. It was really fun. The last book on my list, I couldn't have a list without a young adult title on it, right? It just wouldn't be a list of mine. And I read a lot of good YA this year, and the one that really stuck out for me above everything else was The Summer of Everything by Julian Winters. Julian consistently writes such amazing, nuanced, diverse teenage characters. And this one that was set at a bookstore that its teenage staff was trying to save from going out of business just really struck so many great chords for me. And I really liked that it was set in a city that I kind of know. It's set in Santa Monica, California. I had a, a stint of a couple of years where I was going to Santa Monica for work. And it's set in a part of town that I actually kind of knew. I'm like, I know where that is and where that is. I wish this bookstore had existed because I would have loved (laughs) to have found that. (laughs) But yeah, Julian did such a tremendous job with this book. He actually read a portion of it and talked to us a little bit about it during one of our Pride Month episodes. So you can go check that out if you want to hear a little bit more about the summer of everything. Now, we just gave you a whole long list of amazing books that we loved in the past year. And if you'd like to know more about them, don't worry, we've got you covered. All you have to do is go to the show notes page for episode 279 at Big Gay Fiction Podcast. You'll find links to everything that we've discussed. Now, several of the books that we've talked about in this episode are also available in audio format from Libro.fm. You all know that we love Libro.fm because for every audiobook that you purchase, you also are able to support a local bookstore. It's just like you bought the audiobook from them. So it really helps them out as well. You can, as a listener of this show, get a great deal with Libro.fm, too. You can get a two-month audiobook membership for the price of one month. You can get all the details about that at BigGayFictionPodcast.com slash Libro.fm. That's L-I-B-R-O-F-M. So give that a look if you are into audiobooks like we are. All right. Coming up on Monday, we're going to kick off 2021 with episode 280. And we're going to be focusing on the Winter Wonderland Story Giveaway. Yeah, we're going to have an entire episode about the giveaway. We're going to hear from Lucy Lennox, who put this entire giveaway together. We'll also be joined by a number of authors who will tell you about the stories they have in the giveaway. To close out the last episode of 2020, we'd like to share a few words from one of our recent guests, longtime listener of the show and author Jillian St. Kevin. Back in October, we read and discussed one of her amazing gothic romances for the Big Gay Fiction Book Club. And in episode 271, we got to know a little bit more about her and her writing. It was then that she shared with us her thoughts about her journey and what it means to be part of the MM Romance community. So I started listening to your podcast in 2015. And at that time, I was living on my own in Japan. I was an assistant language teacher. And I had writing friends online, but I didn't have any real life writing friends. And then your your podcast came along just as sort of my first novel had been picked up by Nine Star. And I was starting to get more involved in the MM Romance community. But just listening to you every week your conversations, your reviews, your banter, the little snippets of your lives, what you were watching on TV, what you were reading, and just the interviews with other authors. It filled this need that I didn't even know I had. Like I had friends, but I didn't have that community. 
And I also didn't have a queer community that I had any exposure to growing up or any sort of queer friends at that time. So in addition to sort of filling the need for writing friends, you were also queer friends. You were kind of showing me, hey, you know what? This is what a, a real life queer relationship can be. And now that I'm back in New Zealand and I've got real life writing friends and quite a good little rainbow writing community here, I can, I've actually been able to recognize what it was you were giving me at that time in Japan, where I just didn't have that, those things that I, I really needed. And your podcast, I think you're aware that you do a lot for authors, but I wanted to just say thank you for what you do for, you know, people like me at the time who are, you know, just a little bit isolated and can't get together and make those real life connections. You guys do something very, very special. So I just wanted to, to say thank you for Gillian for five years ago. Thank you, Gillian, for those kind words. It really means a lot. This past year has taken its toll on all of us, physically, financially, mentally, and emotionally. It's like we've had to run an ultra marathon that none of us has signed up for. Well, it's finally January, and we've reached the finish line. Somehow, we're all still standing. Jeff and I would like to say how proud we are to stand hand-in-hand with you, the readers and writers of the gay romance genre, a community whose foundation is fiction about love and kindness and understanding. Thank you so much for letting us be part of this remarkable fandom for the last five years. Cheers to you, and here's to many more filled with wonderful stories of gay romance. Thank you for listening. Until next time, stay strong, be safe, and above all else, keep turning those pages and keep reading. Big Gay Fiction Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find more shows you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Our original theme music is composed by Daryl Banner. Thank you.